friends. Welcome back to the With Great People podcast. I'm Richard Kasparowski. With Great People is the podcast for high-performance teams. This episode is a guest lecture from Jim and Michelle McCarthy. Jim and Michelle joined my course, Agile Software Development, at Harvard University, and they share the story of how they created the core protocols, behavior patterns for high-performance teams. To support this podcast, subscribe to my newsletter at kasparowski.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, let's see. Uh, the core protocols, or the how they came to be. Um, Jim and I met at Microsoft. We were both working on uh, how to how to get great software on time every time um, separately at Microsoft, uh, and we both had hit on the idea that it was the team. It was the magic of the team that led to that. And then we met each other and we started working on it together. Um, and we started running experiments in the visual C++ group at Microsoft. And they were very successful, the experiments that we ran. So we started our own company and essentially started a teamwork laboratory where we could uh, roll out these experiments quickly so we would have uh, simulations where a team or a group of people would um, have a week and an assignment and um, we'd be able to experiment in that laboratory, watching that, watching teams go through this from beginning to end on a project over and over and over, different teams. And then um, once we had material, we started going uh, into the actual companies and helping them there and trying experiments there as well. So do you want to Well, the thing is, like, it's not it, at the time and even today, it's really not possible to conduct enough, of, nor is it ethical to conduct experiments on teams and enough of, of, of them to uh, generate something that's replicable, uh, replicable behaviors, uh, ideas, practices that are replicable with respect to results. Um, it's not, uh, as far as I can tell, it's not happening anywhere except where we're doing it. And, uh, and that's what we had to do. I mean, we had to get to a standard where you could test it with a variety of teams, the same idea, the same practices, the same set of opening conditions, uh, which is the team must assemble and do something great, accountable to um, a boss, basically, or a corporation or something, accountable to an authoritative person or institution. And we wanted the stuff to be replicable uh, across cultures and across all teams and all ages and everything. So... So we just kept doing it over and over again, somewhat uh, obsessively. And it started to yield, uh, right away, it started to yield really good ideas that it took us a while to figure out that the thing to do was to take uh, the productive result of every team and um, give it to the next team in writing and abstract it as much as we could into... um, very simple uh, 
behaviors. Those behaviors came, became what we call protocols. So they were kind of like a software architecture of behaviors that you can specify. And they're sort of, uh, the only value that we ever pursued was effectiveness, where effectiveness equals um, results divided by effort. You know, that uh, how much it costs you in results and, and uh, effort and money and time, what kind of result did it give you in the, in the relative greatness of your um, product. And the greatness of the product was all we measured the team against. So we didn't really have any values except for that because everybody can get behind the effectiveness. Nobody wants to waste time. So in some ways, it's the supreme value that uh, magnifies and your life, the impact of your life. So that's what we were studying. And we were trying to do it um, in as uh, scientific a way as we, could, as we could imagine and before, really. So we kept abstracting our presence out of the equation and putting in things uh, that were more or less scripted because certain patterns would repeat, you know. And then, boom, on a certain day, you know, that we would know the team was going to run into this, and this boot camp, it was called a boot camp, and, and this boot camp would be the one where when we got to that point, we would try this. Mm-hmm. And that was the design change for each boot camp. And so that went on for quite a while, you know. 15 years, maybe, you know, 20, I don't know, long time. A uh, long time and a life's work and uh, uh, a richly richly rewarding and, and uh, deeply challenging sojourn into the dynamics of interpersonal creativity. So just to simplify what he's saying, if you can imagine there are teams going in and out of this laboratory, and what we're doing is as a team goes through, we're going, that thing doesn't work very well. Oh, this is a new thing. It works great. Okay, we'll keep that. And a new team comes through and we go, here, here's the, the best set of behaviors or protocols that we have so far. And then we watch that team go through and we go, oh, we have to tweak this here and take this out and add in a thing here. And then they go through. And then we give the next set, the latest protocols. And if you can just imagine that happening, oh, you know, hundreds of times, thousands and thousands of people going through doing that. Uh, You wouldn't know it until you do it, but you end up uh, seeing that teams tend to go through the same cycle no matter who's on the team, the team will cycle through the same stages and problems. And um, that that you can actually uh, write down the behaviors that will lead to great results on time every time um, in a pretty simple, short format, that it's not complicated to specify it. Now it is complicated behaviorally. In other words, 
you have to be willing to grow as a human being in order to implement the behaviors that work the best. For instance, uh, there's a set of commitments and there's a set of protocols. And one of the commitments is you will monitor the amount of speaking to the amount of listening that you do. And most people, most people tend to talk too much or talk too little. And so it's quite a change in your behavior to talk just the right amount. Um, if you can just imagine ch changing from going to a quiet person to just the right amount or to you talk too much to like not doing that anymore and talking just the right amount. It's quite a change in behavior. So that part is complicated to be willing to change yourself in order to be more effective. And it's complicated in the sense that it's challenging. Right, you have to be willing to change. Um, the nice thing about the protocols is that they're very uh, interpersonally um, sophisticated and supportive. So you get a lot of support to make all these changes. So it's not just like, oh, it's hard and you're by yourself and you're having to make all these changes. You get a lot of support and it's, it becomes a lot easier to make these changes because of that support. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of things that, that all, uh, it's hard to describe this experience that people, probably 10,000 people have gone through it. It's hard to describe it. It's like me describing sex to you before you've had any sex. It's like you, you have to experience it to, to get, really get what I'm saying. And anyone who's gone through it would agree with that. Would you agree with that, Richard? Absolutely. <laughs> the, um, going back to the, 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 the seedling of the origin story, the, the teams at Microsoft, would you, would you that this is the pursuit of effective teams, would, would you call those teams at Microsoft effective when you first joined them? Uh, or at the end, and what? what no. You between when you, <laughs> when you left well, them. they have been at various stages. Obviously, it was a successful company. All the ones that I had joined before I got there were a mess. I had to yeah. clean them up. And then, did you did you have the experience of being on an effective team? Yes. Can you say a little bit about that. You mean before I got into Microsoft? Um. At Microsoft, was, was there... Had I had, had, I had the experience before I had to clean up these teams? <laughs> you you cleaned up a team. No, a visual C++ He's trying to hand us a, a, an easy answer. <laughs> oh. I think. It feels like it. Visual well, well, even before I met him, the, when, when, I clean, when I did get them going, they, yeah. they were quite effective yeah. and, and like had shared vision and... Okay. It was cool. It wasn't as cool as when Jim and I got together and got all that magic going. That was even cooler. All right. So what did and you And more notice? effective. What, what was some of that magic that you noticed in that team at Microsoft? Oh, there, wow. There was just uh, the, the big team that, that I worked on and myself too was the uh, Visual C++ team. Before, it was called the language group. So it was the oldest group at Microsoft. And 
it's not surprising that it might get um, uh, tired first, you know, in a way. And uh, they started to lose market share and so on, and they had an opp- opportunity for a turnaround. And that's what happened uh, while we were there. And we uh, led and participated in that. It was quite a little explosive moment for all the people that were there, kind of a career high for many of us. And, um, um, you know, we started banging out amazing products and went from, you know, um, losing 20 points of market share and shipping two years late started to um, shipping on us being the first software to ever be on a subscription three times a year, going into a continuous uh, development mode and um, shipping whenever we cared to ship and uh, uh, making a lot of innovations and sort of expressing the, the potential of mastery that, that had always been there on the team but hadn't coalesced. This was something that team did by, you know, uh, by an explosive uh, moment type of magic uh, team breakthrough thingy. And that's what we, I wanted at least to um, learn how to bottle such a uh, lightning experience. And so that's why we went to go experiment. Like how could we make every team be like that one? So yeah, that was a great experience. Right. So both of us did not want to continue having to be there for the team to be great, which was what our previous experience was. Yeah. In other words, I can, I mean, I can still do this, right? I can go into any team and I can get it going great, but there's only one of me. So that's not very interesting. <laughs> so both, both of us, Wanted to make it so anybody can go into a team and make it great. Right. Or you could look at a team and say, what, what's wrong with it? It's not doing X. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right? So that right. there were actually some science and rationale behind the art uh, and science of or the art of collaboration. Um, you know, that's the thing. It's like, if I could say anything to a group of people at Harvard about a group of students, I would say, like, you must mature. You must mature if you want to be a great uh, person or on a great team or have very much impact at all. You must mature. And mature is primarily measured by your capacity for effective love, effective interpersonal behavior which includes, in its highest level, collaboration. Collaboration is one of the highest types of love, like the freedom to create together without, without fear, the capability of support, of innovation. Everybody goes, oh, we want to be innovative. Like, hell you do. You know, like, innovation, the very first thing of innovation is the society wants to stone you and arrest you and tell you to stop. You're going to need some people who love you and support you if you're going to innovate, you know? And that's mm-hmm. the type of teamwork we're talking about. Teamwork like you've never had. From the family, you probably wish you had. <laughs> you know, there's, uh, you're, uh, the whole society is coming from a very great deficit in awareness of how to be intimate. And the protocols will provide you a basic architecture for um, the key element of mature 
behavior of a, of a more loving uh, society. These aren't things we try to do based on like love first or something. But uh, when you want to like exchange gifts, personal gifts, you know, like we need her creativity on his practicality and, and, uh, and um, his attention to detail with his vision. How, how do you get that stuff out of each other and have it go together as if it were one mind? That's, that's the goal. And, you know, instead of just writing down, be agile, like, <laughs> um, which I, I, don't, I honestly don't know how helpless it is or how, how helpful that is, to be honest, because it's the only can be failed at. I would say instead, like, say what your feelings are. Like, start there and listen to what other people's feelings are. Things like that. And those are in the protocols. Or, or, or don't act until the whole team is unanimously supportive of the action. That'll bring together all the intelligence and all the other virtues that are in the team to make a decision that's unanimous prior to acting. Now, you know, that's not an absolute rule, but those are some of the, for, exa- for examples, what we discover. <laughs> What we discovered in boot camp is that you have to be as if you were one being. And we call that being or that state of being shared vision. But that's just, those are just words. It's really a, 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 a state of like, a state of uh, transcendent effectiveness that, that has very little uh, resistance. Flow, it's all about flow. Um, Jim's looking up because... Oh, I'm looking at a projector. Hi. <laughs> Not because he's blind or anything, but because <laughs> he has a really cool, humongous projector in there. <laughs> and that's what he's looking at. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so you keep using this word protocol. You talk about the protocols, this protocol, that protocol. Um what do you mean when you say protocol? Uh, how did this idea of, of protocols come about? What's up with that word? Well, when you tell people things like, um, maybe if you said what you felt, you know, you have to, uh, you have to tell them more than that <laughs> if you want them to actually be effective at that. Right? So let's say, well, these things are feelings. Mm-hmm. Mad, sad, glad, afraid. Those are the kind of the primitives of all feeling, like, like the primary colors. And when you say your feelings, everybody else has to shut up while they listen. And then they, then they can have a turn, right? So that begins to be a protocol. Like how do you get through the idea of people saying their feelings um, most effectively? Uh, and that became the check-in protocol. Uh, you know, which is, you know, something basically that's one that we frankly borrowed from, uh, you know, mainstream psychology. But most of the protocols are not at all that. You know, the other thing is like people have to be absolutely free. You cannot have a good state of collaborative intimacy unless you are free to be in it or not. And to be in it as far as you want to go or back out as much as you need to. So, we have incorporated, I think as Richard said in the syllabus or something, 
you know, that this is also about safety and freedom. And, and the two are quite related. So you not only have check in, but you have check out. And you not only do protocols, but you can pass on doing protocols. Like everything's about freedom, you know, and unanimity. Like the team cannot act if you vote, if you yourself vote no. Right? So, so pro- proto- protocol also is borrowed from that we came from software. So we like the idea of things and protocols. But, um, in a lot of places where int- you must have interpersonal discipline or it will cost lives, for instance, like hospitals or the military, you, that's where you find protocols, which really means it, if you're familiar with software, like code. So step one is this, step two is this, step three is this. If this happens, do this. If this happens, do that. Um it's it's very like uh, it's very spelled out. It's not us, vague. It's not like hey, exactly. everybody get along with each other and be courageous. It's there's none of that. It's very specific about what to do and what order. So instead of just check in with your feelings, share your right. feelings with each other. It's something it goes. That- Say, I feel mad, sad, glad, or afraid. Uh, optionally, describe your feelings. You know, number four. Uh, say, I'm in, which signals everyone that you're done. Number five. Everyone else says welcome. And that, so, so it's like that. Okay. And when did you, uh, so you started running this lab uh, and this five-day experience that we, that you call a boot camp, right? How how many of these five-day experiments did it take before you started to notice some of these patterns in the in the in the teams that were effective? Right away. Right away. Within five. Okay. By the time we got to five, we had um, entry conditions, you know, and. Uh, clear steps and like br- brand new like huge protocol protocols like some of the protocols that are kind of the foundation of the whole thing uh happen within the first five like uh alignment happened right away that's funny. And you started to, um, and you started to record them, write write them down mm-hmm. in, in these. Uh, that took a while. Protocol kind of. Oh, okay. So because be, well, because we saw our, at first we saw ourselves as like kind of coaches, like we'll coach these teams along. Yeah. And then, and then Jim went wait. These are protocols we're discovering, and then. Like the combination of him doing that and me going, oh, I'm going to write everything down uh-huh. because I love lists and code and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I got sick of teaching everyone from the beginning all the time. So I go, I'm going to give them everything, the best ideas so far. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, we and that was probably within the first 10 boot camps. Yeah. Okay. All of the that stuff started happening. The. The main thing, the main slowest part of a team of strangers 
is they don't know how to decide anything. And so they can't decide whether they're going to meet or what they're working on or anything. And they'll go on for days and days and days not being able to decide. So two or three boot camps worth of us sitting there going, when are these guys going to figure out that they don't know how to decide stuff? <laughs> and then finally, Michelle goes, as soon as you tell them. You know, <laughs> and we're Why don't we just tell them, the yeah, just tell them at the beginning? You got to be able to decide stuff. Here's how to do it. And it has to be unanimous because that's <laughs> actually, as it turns out, the quickest way. If, uh-huh. if you go, nobody ever even tries it. It seems so improbable. But um, 100% vote yes before action, that will bring together a team pretty quick and be a quick way to go. Um, One idea I want to get in here before we, I want to make sure this idea gets in here, which is the reason this material is so important, the reason Richard is putting it where he's putting it is because um, this is likely to be the only material that will tell you how to do everything else. Everything else will be more vague. It will not be in a complete system. Um, It will not be experimentally tested. I mean, it will have, I could go on and on with all the problems, but this, this material that, that we, are handing you for free uh, is the way to do anything else that you want to do. So if you decide that you want to in, to do Scrum, this is how you would do it. If you decide that you want to get a team into a shared vision, this is how you would do it. If you decide that you want your team to value integrity, this is how you would do it. It's step-by-step step how to do it. because. Uh, what you will run into over and over again and you won't notice it unless you pay attention is people will be vague. So they'll say things like, well, we just need to communicate more effectively. And they'll end there. Okay, that does not help because you can say that all day long. We should communicate more effectively. But unless you know exactly how to do that and everybody knows exactly how to do that, it's not going to happen. So all the values and wishes and dreams and hopes that get said in any of this other philosophies that you'll learn about, if you want to know how to do them, this is how to do them. And it boils down to 11 protocols. And then there's 11 upfront sort of personal commitments you make. The commitments are things like... Um, um, I said when monitor, you're speaking to listening. Don't do anything dumb on purpose. Right, don't do anything dumb on purpose. Except, except ideas no matter where they... Except the, only the best idea, except the best idea no matter where it came from. Right. Or who it came from. And say yes to it, even if you hope a better one comes up later. Those are uh, examples. Yeah. They're just sort of, uh, they're also really quite practical. So that's the deal. That's the core. 
Right. And so these are very practical behaviors that you noticed the effective teams doing. You, you wrote them down as protocols within the first 10 laboratory sessions. Most of them, yeah. Started to got the framework. Um, so, and, and like you were saying, Michelle, where, where the Agile Manifesto says things like, we value individuals and interactions, right. but we don't tell you how to express that value. Right. Very or common. what or define what an individual interaction is, even. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. It, what we say is said is like, well, whatever it is that you value, if you want to use your time well, do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you want to be effective, do this. And that, that's the only value. And that mm-hmm. lives all other values. Surprisingly, uh, kind, emotionally rich, uh, high bandwidth interpersonal engagement dialogue uh, or community dialogue is um, the most effective thing that we can find. Had it been more effective to eat pizza every three hours and, and live in a darkened room alone, we would have been suggesting that today. Right. Unfortunately, that isn't it. <laughs> so, and, and you would have noticed that empirically in the lab. What right. you have to, yeah, yeah. What you have to do instead is like mature and begin to pursue virtue in your own life. Right. And, well, and we're we're we always will take a better idea. So I'm ready to see something better and change the current uh, version of the core and add in something better at any point. I mean, I, I live by it too, so I take the best idea, no Man, matter where it comes from. Our work, um, it's their principal encounter with a hopeful uh, society, in a way. Like, if you, if you live this way and you do these values, it's not a bad, like, package of, uh, well, it's not a bad view of the world and architecture. Um, that provides a civilized, civilized discourse at a little bit higher level, enough higher level that you can propel yourself into kind of this infinitude, this kind of dazzling, dazzlingly beautiful, connected lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Is there anything else you want to add about the the origin story or anything else related to the core protocols or any of your work? Well, I think a lot of um, people are getting more, well, wasn't it Google that said psychological safety was the most important thing? Yep. This, again, this is how you create psychological safety on a team. Because what you want is you want people to express their best ideas and they won't tend to do that unless they feel like they're not going to get criticized, have their ideas stolen, uh, ignored, like all the things that might happen when you say your best idea that really hurt because it's your best idea. So this, the, the protocols tell you how to create psychological safety. Right. People that live in a, in a core environment uh, tend to feel quite, quite safe with each other. Mm-hmm. And they tend to value and trust their team, including the team, the teams that went, you know, historically in boot camps, people are very attached to those teams often. 
because uh, together they established a community of humanity, and, uh, a small society of people doing arbitrarily great things together. You can do anything with half a dozen people, anything. And that's how those teams mostly felt by, yeah. the time, by the time they left. And that's true, too. It's not just a fantasy. All right. Okay. So I guess, I guess though, to, to, uh, particularly to young people, I would say, look, you have to get some psychological orientation. The personal development has to be your number one priority in life if you're going to be a great developer. So you can't just skip or pass on maturity. And maturity is facing, the, facing up to the complexity and richness of your own nature and its imperfection. So awesome. do that, though. I'm not kidding about that. The quicker you get help, psychologically speaking, and get aware of like state-of-the-art in uh, interpersonal effectiveness, dynamics, the better off you'll be, the greater your education will be valuable, valued. And then the, if you don't do that, it doesn't make any difference where you go to school and how much study and what, what grades you get. Right. Not compared to the riches that are right here in front of you on, on earth. And that usually ends up feeling like poverty somehow because of this paucity of uh, life uh, effectiveness. So try, you know, look into what we're saying because we're not bullshitting at all. This stuff is free. Right? We made it free. We put our fortune into it. We, um, it's uh, open source. If you teach anybody, and I'm sure Richard will follow the license to to the T and give you a copy of everything, so that you know our original design intent. Like nobody can bullshit about the core and use it because they have to distribute our source code. And our source code says that you're free. It says that you have to get a vote. It says these things. They can change it however they want, but you'll know what the design intention is. So mm -hmm. look into it. It's, it's well intended and it's well put together. All right. And how can students find out more about your work? Uh, yeah, McCarthyShow.com has 130 something podcasts mm -hmm. where we talk about. Um, all kinds of things. Uh, all of our experiences around this material. So you can learn a lot just by listening to the podcast. All right. So you got the website, McCarthy Show. Oh, and then you got on Facebook, there's a group called The Booted, and you can actually hang out with people using the protocols and you can try it out. Awesome. Come on board. Yeah. All right. Jim and Michelle, I feel really blessed to have you as friends, blessed that you could join us tonight. Um, I, I, can, I can literally feel the love coming through the camera, through the screen, over to me here in Boston. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks. Oh, us. our pleasure. I love teaching you guys. I love coming to Harvard. This is the coolest thing of all. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, I told I must have told seven people already. Oh, I gotta go teach them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really fun to be associated with such winning people. <laughs> okay. Bye -bye. All right.
Thanks a lot. Thanks, really Rich. appreciate it. A lot. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, we get to get in the copy. <laughs> Hi, friends. Thanks again for listening. And remember, to support this podcast, subscribe to my newsletter at kasparowski.com. See you next time. Bye.